Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Ah, blessings, folks. This is Dale. Thank you for joining with me. We're in Romans chapter 1, and we're looking at the term Godhead. We've been looking at it the last few episodes. And the Lord reveals a lot about himself. These passages, these verses right here, are, I think are some of the most profound, pivotal in all of Scripture. And I think you'll see why in just a moment. We've already seen in verse 6 that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is that? For it is the power of God unto salvation to every man, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in verse 17 he said, For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God, Revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you see this righteousness of God is revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that we receive it. And that the just, the ones that have been justified, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, in verse 18, the very next verse starts with the word for, F-O-R. And quite often when you see that, it carries the idea of a therefore or because of this fact or out of this thought. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now that's half the, half the sentence right there, verse 17. Listen to that again. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So we saw that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But now the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness, against all unrighteousness of men. God's wrath will come upon the unrighteousness of man and will come against the ungodly. The ultimate time of God's wrath will be the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord that we've examined a little bit previously is the wrath of God being poured out upon unbelieving mankind. But we learn a little more about these who are ungodly and that are unrighteous. It says, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, They hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know what the truth is. They hold the truth, and yet they hold it in unrighteousness. They don't allow the truth to have any bearing upon their life and direction or, or any allow any change in their life. They want to be unrighteous. They want to live unrighteously. And you say, well, how do you know that they know the truth? These next two verses, folks, are absolutely profound. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Let me read it again. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. That verse shows us that God has revealed himself to every human being. Every human being within, inside the human being, knows that God exists. I think that actually helps to understand why those that profess that there is no God, the atheist, 
I think that explains why they are often so hateful and so belligerent, because the struggle they have is not with those that are of faith. The struggle they have is with themselves, because they know that they are lying to themselves. Now, yes, over a period of years and years and years, they can just so quench that that they can convince themselves and believe that what they believe is the truth. But the Lord is saying right here that there is an internal testimony. There is an internal testimony that God is placed there that he actually says God is manifest in them. Okay, God is made aware in them because he showed it to them. And then verse 20 says this. Well, let me start verse 19 again. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. Then period. Now, another sentence. Four, the invisible things of him, and that's of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Let me stop in the middle of the phrase there. I just love that little thing. The invisible things of God are clearly seen. <laughs> you ever think about that? The invisible things, the things that we can't see of God are clearly seen. And he tells us where they're clearly seen. For the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Creation, and Paul is acknowledging by the power of the Holy Spirit here in his writing that God created. Things just didn't have to come about. The Lord spoke ex nihilo, out of nothing, and created. He's saying that the creation itself testifies. So you have this internal testifying to all mankind that God exists. God has made himself manifest and known in every human being. But then there's an external testimony also. The invisible things of God, the very nature of God, can be clearly seen by his creation. Now let me finish the sentence, or the verse at least. Being understood by the things that are made. God can be understood by looking and seeing the things that are made. I find that just amazing. And that's how a lot of mankind in, interacts and encounters God initially, is they look at creation and realize that all I see here, and they, don't want, they won't put it in this verbiage, but I will, uh, all I see here is design. I see structure. I see plan. That requires somebody to have done it, right? Being understood by the things that are made, even his, that's God, even his eternal power and Godhead. There we are. In other words, creation itself testifies of the invisible things of God and makes them abundantly clear. And then he uh, zooms in on a couple of things. Even his eternal power, the eternal, lasting, without end, power of God is clearly seen in what is created. And the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You know, there's all sorts of things that are structured along those lines. Even we as human beings are structured like that. You ever thought about that? The scripture shows us that we are body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Now, don't get in that little trap saying, okay, the body is the Father and the soul. No, no, no. You know, the spirit's the uh, Father. No, no, you don't do that. But we are tripartite beings. Yes, there are times when soul and spirit are used synonymously. 
but the Spirit is who we actually are. We are made in the image of God. God the Father is Spirit. God the Son took on the form of flesh, according to Philippians, and stepped into his creation at the time to save us and redeem us. God the Father, though, and God is Spirit. We are Spirit, and we are Spirit in these corporeal bodies of flesh. We have a soul. The soul is sort of like the interface That's the between the Spirit and the body. That's the seat of the emotions. There are some animals that have souls, emotions. You know, your little puppy dog has emotions, right? But they don't have a Spirit. They're not made. In the image of God. I tell you what, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to stop right in the middle of a sentence right here, but we'll pick it up the next time. In closing, let me just read what we've looked at here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of Him, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. One last phrase at the end of verse 20, which we'll pick up next time. So that they are without excuse. Because of that inward testimony, because of the external testimony, they are without excuse. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time.